0: scary story podcast brings original short scary stories right to your ears every week like dead of night the story of a man who moves into a new apartment building only to discover its sinister foundation or another recent one the delivery where a man discovers a family secret hidden in plain sight have you ever listened to a scary story that lingers as if it reminds you of a long lost memory my name is Edwin Covarrubias, host and writer over at Scary Story Podcast, where every episode brings you a short, original scary story every week. The stories are read just like this, me telling you a frightening story that will blur the lines between this and the world of hauntings, ghosts, experiences that defy logical explanation. You can join us by searching for Scary Story Podcast on your app right now. It's the show by Scary FM. I'll see you over on Scary Story Podcast.
1: Hello, my dark darlings. I'm Marquia, and this is the Something Scary Podcast. To our veteran listeners and those sheltering into the dark with us for the first time, welcome. Before we get started, I wanted to remind you that our new podcast, The Shadow Diaries, is launching tomorrow. It's a 12-episode series. I call it a supernatural thriller. And if you haven't guessed already, I am in it. Let me know if you can figure out who I am without listening to the credits. It's a great story, and we've been working on it for the past six months, so have a listen and leave a review. We're on Apple and Spotify and wherever you listen. And also, don't forget that tomorrow at 3 p.m. is our monthly live stream. We're going to do Halloween at home, so get your costumes ready. Ah, we just have so much fun stuff going on this month. Now, Halloween is a powerful night, made even more powerful this year by the light of a blue moon. Special care should be taken on this night unless you want to release the spirits of the season that beckon from the darkness. First, preparations for a Halloween party go horribly wrong. And then, a necromancer is born against his will, followed by a house too haunted to call home. And finally... A soul laid to rest far too soon. I receive hundreds of creepy story submissions every single week. As always, the first story you hear is one that we've chosen to animate and post over at youtube.com slash snarled. Then I read a few more stories for the podcast. If you have a tale you're dying to share, send me an email at somethingscary@snarled.com. If you'd like to support Something Scary, then consider joining our Patreon. As a patron, not only can you help the show and see ad-free episodes, but you can also be a part of the horror and hear your name featured in one of our podcasts or weekly video stories. Visit Patreon.com/snarled. So, want to hear something scary? House party hex. On October 31st, all sorts of magic is in the air. The only blue moon of the year will be shining full that night, amplifying the power of All Hallows' Eve even further. That's why you must make sure to prepare yourself for all of the dark energy that will be unleashed this Halloween, or else something wicked might come for you. When Portia opened her front door, a hideous face lunged at her with a loud cackle. She recoiled in horror at the wrinkled face of a witch. She screamed as mildewy-smelling dust blew in her face, and suddenly the cackle turned into playful laughter. It was just her friend, Yadira. She held the ugliest witch decoration Portia had ever seen. The plastic face looked like it had melted, and the bony, spindly fingers looked like they wanted to snatch her and anyone else who dared get close to it. Handing the old Halloween decoration to Portia, her normally quiet friend laughed off the scare. Portia put the creepy thing aside and forced a smile. Even though Portia and her friends cut loose at her Halloween party every year, tonight was different. With the death of her mom a few months ago, it was now up to Portia to carry on the annual ritual. With the help of her closest friends, Yadira and Belkalis, she now had to protect her home and family from the evil that searched for them. Years ago, in this very house, Portia's mother had started a coven of witches. The ladies should have been more careful in their practice, however, because they caught the attention of someone sinister. An evil witch showed up on her mother's doorstep, demanding sanctuary from the coven, and when denied, the wicked woman smeared her mother's forehead with a dark mark, cursing her home before finally being driven away. Everyone that had been in the house during that encounter fell ill for months, and if not for her mother's rapid study of witchcraft and discovery of the ritual, they all might have died. This ancient ritual had to be performed every Halloween to protect the household from corrupt forces. Portia knew it had to be conducted before sunset in order to keep the house invisible to the dark curse for another year. She and Yadira would have to get started now, even though their friend Belkhaliz was a little late. Hopefully, two was enough for a coven. Portia stepped inside the open salt circle with her friend and closed it behind them. Closing her eyes, she began to recite the first incantation. Protect the veil. Boil the bad seeds. As night falls, we plead. Shelter from the evils beyond this door. Let it knock. Nevermore. They could sense that something was already trying to break through. Suddenly, against the salt barrier surrounding them, ghostly hands pressed against an invisible bubble. Portia knew they had to stop whatever it was. They were losing light. The sun was setting soon. Rapidly reading aloud the incantations in her mother's book, Portia carefully chose ingredients to add to the boiling potion to banish the force trying to get in. Portia's hands began to shake over the boiling cauldron. Yadira reached out to help steady them. The force outside the salt circle howled. No! Abruptly, The hands changed to ghostly fists, pounding on the invisible wall between them and it. Portia turned her back to the supernatural force, urgently asking for Yadira to hand her the ingredients. Portia thought the potion was complete until she felt Yadira hand her another vial. You forgot one. Here's the last one to seal the ritual. Portia nodded and emptied it over the cauldron. The supernatural energies pushed harder against the barrier, and despite that barrier's protection, Portia could feel ancient dark evil all around her. She looked to her friend Yadira and saw that her skin was mottling and her hair slowly turning gray. It had to be the work of the energies outside the barrier, she thought. They had to drink the potion before it was too late. Portia handed her a cup full of potion, urging that they both drink immediately. Portia faced the force beyond the salt barrier, yelling in defiance. Her mother's spell was complete. She gulped the concoction down, and the burn of the liquid made her choke. Was it supposed to do that? Portia wondered. She stumbled backwards, coughing, scuffing, and breaking the protective salt circle, and with it, the protective barrier allowing the supernatural force to rush inside. Portia's eyes widened as the force solidified and revealed itself. The figure before her was weeping. Gasping, Portia croaked, Mom? This was not the dark ancient evil that Portia had felt, but if not that, then what? With a gasp, Portia realized her mistake, and she spun back to see a giggling Yadira as she poured her own goblet of potion onto the floor. Strange energy crackled, and her friend, now cackling, rose floating above Portia. A different, malicious voice ripped out of Yadira's throat. It was unfortunate for you that young Yadira crossed paths with me on her way here. Even more unfortunate that I made some adjustments to the ingredients you added to your potion. I've waited so long for this. The girl she thought was Yadira transformed, and suddenly, Portia beheld the very witch that had cursed her mother. Portia's hands began to wrinkle. Gray, cobwebbed hair sprouted from her head. Pain shot through her bones. A sudden tightness pulled every muscle on her face and body. Skin shriveled and cracked as Portia lost all her senses and ceased to be human. She was now hollow like plastic. In fact, she looked similar to the grotesque Halloween decoration the evil witch had brought with her. Surely the real Yadira also changed into a fake witch. Charged anew with Portia's stolen life force, the evil witch took on Portia's form. She still required more life force to continue her long life and reign of terror, and fortunately, there would soon be a whole party of young souls on the way to her. Just then, The doorbell rang, and the door creaked open. Belcalise called out for her friends. Hello? She walked through the door and suddenly screamed as two grotesque witch decorations dropped from above and hung in front of her. They swayed, and something about their disfigured faces looked disturbingly familiar. Before she could place why, her friend Portia jumped out from behind them. Happy Samheim! she cried as she handed her a steaming goblet. As Belcalis began to choke on the potion, more of their friends drew closer to the now-cursed home. The evil witch grinned. This would be an epic party.
2: Angie has made it easier than ever to connect with skilled professionals to get all your jobs done well. If you own a home, you know how much work it can take
1: Dark moments in our history are often buried and hidden from sight. But sometimes, history repeats itself and those problems come back meaner and uglier. Like in this story submitted by Colin. During the Middle Ages, there was a village nestled deep in the countryside. While on the outside, everything seemed happy and peaceful, the village did have a dark secret. Located at the edge of the village was a well. It was falling apart, and vines grew around it. No one in the village went near it, nor did they dare draw water from it, for this was a well that had a terrible past. It was whispered that during the outbreak of the Black Plague, the bodies of the dead were dumped down the well since all of the local graveyards were overflowing with corpses. The smell down in the well became so bad that many feared to even go near it. Soon, it was abandoned and left to rot along with the bodies that it held. But one night, there was a sound of a chain rattling as if someone was lowering the bucket into the old well. A few people looked out their windows and saw the glow of a lantern near the old well. Eventually, a small party of villagers ventured out to see what was going on. There, they found a man wrestling with a heavy chain as he brought up a body from the depths of the well. Piled at his feet were even more bodies. A wave of fear and anger washed over the villagers who worried that this might be a necromancer, a wizard that used the dead to do their bidding. In a panic, the villagers rushed the necromancer and surrounded him. They bound his arms behind his back and threw him to the ground next to the dead bodies he had pulled from the well. After a severe beating, the villagers decided that the punishment for this man's crimes would be fitting. So, they lifted him over the lip of the well and prepared to throw him in. The accused man pleaded and cried that he was only a simple healer who wanted to understand the plague, and for that, he needed the bodies for his research. But his words fell upon deaf ears as they pushed him down into the well. They watched as he dropped into the darkness, but when there was no sound of a splash, the villagers began to worry what if this man was telling the truth and they had just killed an innocent man? In a panic, the villagers took the remaining bodies and piled them back inside the well and sealed the opening with a great circular stone. After that, they left and returned to their homes, promising not to tell anyone what happened, but that would be the secret that sealed their fate. A month later, There was a great commotion coming from the woods near the old well. Again, the villagers looked out their windows and they saw a dark mass coming out of the forest. As it drew closer, they saw that it was the boil-covered bodies of the undead shuffling towards them. The villagers cried and tried to fight off the horde of zombies with their swords and pitchforks, but it was all in vain. They were torn apart by the undying strength of the monsters. Soon, the village fell quiet, and the undead hunted down anyone left that dared try to hide from them. When the village was completely emptied of the living, the undead departed. Walking among them was a single living person. It was the same man that had been accused of being a necromancer, and he smiled at his work. Deep in that well... And on the verge of his own death among the plague corpses, he cried out to every devil he knew and made a pact to save his life in exchange for the lives of the entire village. As he and the undead now under his control made their way out of the village, the newly born necromancer smiled and said, Come, my children, for there are still more to punish in this world. The night is young. And so is my vengeance. Thank you so much, Colin, for inspiring this story for us. We love stories with a horror, folklore feel here in Something Scary. If you have anything about magic, necromancers, or witches, be sure to submit them to us. scary at snarl.com. Moving to a new place can be exciting, and picking your own room is a rite of passage. In this letter from Tiana, she tells of the room in the house that didn't want to be picked. Hi, Marquia. My name is Tiana Angel, and a truly scary incident happened to my family when I was six years old. My mom, my three siblings, and I moved into a new home to be closer to our school. It wasn't exactly an old house, but there was something about it that made it feel that way. I don't know how else to describe it other than it had a heavy energy. Even at a young age, I felt as if the house didn't want us there. But that didn't matter. My mother said the house was ours now, and she was determined to make it feel like home. She took my weird feeling to just mean that I was having trouble adjusting. My other siblings didn't seem to mind at first either, but when we had to clean up the place, things changed. Mom asked us to pick our rooms. Obviously, Mom got the master bedroom and my older sister, Aria, the room on the first floor. That left me and my younger sister, Raven, with the other bedroom on the second floor by Mom. I didn't want to share, so I asked Mom if I could see the room on the third floor. She asked if I meant the hallway closet because there wasn't a third floor. I told her that there was, because I'd found stairs leading up to it. Mom was surprised. She had never seen stairs leading up to another floor when she bought the house. This seemed to disturb her, and she told me and my siblings to wait while she checked it out. Of course, we all followed Mom up the stairs, and with each creaky step, I could feel that oppressive energy again. Our mother figured it must be some sort of attic behind the door at the top of the stairs, and when she pushed the door open, it caught on something. I bent down to move it out the way and discovered it was an old shoe, a woman's flat, worn out and no longer in style, discarded as if someone had kicked it off. The room was mostly empty and barely lit by the sun coming through a small window, There were a few boxes that must have been left by the former residents. As we all went inside and looked around, my older sister immediately found a chest of dresses. Vintage, Aria emphasized. When I turned to look at her, I noticed a rope hanging from the center beam. My eyes trailed down and I saw hair swaying off a deep purple face with dead eyes. It was the body of a young girl hanged and missing a shoe, the one I held in my hand. I gasped and screamed, dropping the shoe. My mom asked what happened, and I pointed. But when I raised my hand toward the body, it wasn't there anymore, just the rope. When my mom saw the noose, she rushed us out of the attic. I don't know what happened, but when she came out, she had the rope and went to our neighbor's house. When she returned, Mom made us go outside, and we were never allowed in that attic again. Once we were settled in, strange things would happen in me and my sister's room, which was closest to the attic stairs. I'd wake up in the middle of the night to find our bedroom door open, even though we always kept it closed. At first, I thought my sister just forgot, but it wasn't her. She thought I did it. My eldest sister also had strange things happen to her, too. She said that some of the vintage dresses she had found turned out to be ripped, but she didn't realize it until she got to school. However, Arya had washed and dried them herself, and they were perfectly fine at home, but then ruined in public when she wore them. Things took a turn on prom night. Aria wore a gorgeous pink tea dress and mom called her to come out and show us we all crowded around. She looked breathtaking and my mom snapped a Polaroid picture. I grabbed the Polaroid as it came and shaked it as it developed. Suddenly, the lights began to flicker and doors all over the house began to slam. Something pulled my sister back into her room and she fell to the ground. Sure enough, The dress was ripped and ruined. I held the picture in my hand and gasped. I saw the dead girl again, and she was reaching for my sister. When I showed my mom the picture, she told us to pack our things. We were never coming back. Years later, I brought up the incident to my mom, and she told me something I'll never forget. The neighbor had told her that a 17-year-old girl had lived in the house. After a bad breakup, There were pictures and rumors going around her school that her boyfriend had posted claiming it was her and started to tell people that she had done things she never did. Everyone in the school heard about it and saw the pictures, even the teachers. Her grades started to drop and she lost all of her friends. She got so tired of everything. I'll never forget the quiver in my mom's voice when she told me the girl had hung herself in the attic. They eventually tore down the house because no one could live there without seeing her ghost. Thank you so much, Tiana, for sharing this story with us. That must have been terrifying, living within this house with this restless spirit, especially a spirit that seemed to take out the woes of its life onto you and your family. I'm very glad that all of you were able to get out of this situation with your family intact. So, listener, have you ever found yourself in a place where there were more rooms than you thought? Have you ever investigated those rooms? If not, would you? In a recent ABC News story from Detroit, a dead woman does the unexpected after she's declared dead, and together, we explore the fear of being buried alive. Death is inevitable. One day, we will all die, and if we're lucky, most of us will end up in the same place, the funeral home. In many countries, bodies sent there will get prepared for their eventual burial in a process known as embalming. But what would you do if you woke up during that process? Recently in Detroit, paramedics responded to a call of an unresponsive female. For the purpose of this recording and privacy of the family involved, we will refer to her as Delilah. Once paramedics arrived, she wasn't breathing and they attempted to resuscitate with CPR. At only 20, she was declared dead. When her body got to the funeral home, they confirmed her death on site. She was put in a body bag and stored away in one of the many refrigerated drawers that hold the bodies of the dead. There, those bodies wait to be prepared for their final resting place in cold silence. Hours later, Delilah's body was being prepped to be drained of all its blood by morticians. She was on the table to be embalmed. The procedure includes cutting someone open to drain their insides of all liquids and gases. The body's insides and blood are replaced by formaldehyde to preserve the body for viewing at the funeral. When the embalmer opened the body bag to begin the process, he found that Delilah's eyes were wide open. In a report from ABC News a mortuary witness described. They were about to embalm her, which is most frightening. Had she not had her eyes open, they would have begun draining her blood to be very, very frank about it. It's one of people's worst nightmares to imagine having an ambulance called and instead sending you off to a funeral home and a body bag. In this case, paramedics had tried to revive Delilah for 30 minutes before she was declared dead, At some point, while being transported and placed in a refrigerated case, though, she woke up. She was breathing again. She opened her eyes to darkness, not knowing where she was or what happened. It was a truly terrifying ordeal. So how, then, was Delilah still alive when she had been pronounced as dead? Her godmother was at the scene and said that she believed something wasn't right. She didn't think Delilah was gone because her body was still twitching and asked that they take her to the hospital and not the funeral home. She told paramedics, and the paramedics told her, that the movements were involuntary and it was the result of the medication. An article on News Radio 950 WWJ stated, It turned out, that Delilah had cerebral palsy and a history of troubled breathing. Her godmother had tried to let the paramedics know that Delilah lived with a condition that could be mistaken for death. Mortician and YouTuber Caitlin Doty offered her professional opinion on a recent video upload on her Ask a Mortician channel. Her fact checking offered a further horrifying truth. That while yes, someone with a condition with cerebral palsy could be mistaken for being dead, procedures to properly declare her as such were not followed. She asked, Why was a 20-year-old woman taken directly to a funeral home, not taken to the coroner or medical examiner's office for an autopsy? That's where such a young person would go if they died unexpectedly. She shared that when she learned about Delilah's cerebral palsy, the medical examiner sending her to the funeral home made more sense. Doctors and paramedics had the preconceived notion that this was a woman with health problems who could die at any time. Later, the health department admitted that vital signs and descriptions told to the physician were inaccurate. Even after her godmother, a registered nurse, said that she felt Delilah's pulse, she was told it was just due to medication. Dodie fact-checked this mistake. He was ascribing her literal breathing to her disorder and medication and not to being alive. Two hours after death, dead people look and feel dead. They don't breathe. They don't blink. The far greater danger was how long she was kept from emergency physicians. Dodie advocates for the family to get justice as she explained Delilah's case was due to the pervasive, well-documented problem of the way Black women and disabled women are treated by the medical establishment. Yes, dear listener, the true horror of this tale is that Delilah was never dead to begin with. This week's podcast stories were edited by Markeia McCarty, Sabina Graves, and Dennis Culver. Narration by Markeia McCarty. Audio edited by Fitz Harris and Calvin Lenderman. Art and graphics by Mari Carlson. Produced by Annalise Nelson and Markeia McCarty. Music by Sapphire Sandalo and Calvin Lenderman. If you have a story you'd like to submit, send me an email at somethingscary@snarl.com. Don't forget to watch the video version of Something Scary over at youtube.com snarl and if you'd like to support the show and everything we do at Snarled, join our Patreon at patreon.com/snarled. Until next time, my dark darlings. Sweet dreams.